When it comes to both giving and receiving feedback, Homer Simpson isn't exactly a model character. Hey you! Stop being so unsafe, Smitty! Safen up! Homer, could we have a word with you? No. I must have phrased that badly. My English is how you say inelegant. I meant to say, may we have a brief, friendly chat? No. Once again, I failed. We request the pleasure of your company for a free exchange of ideas. <laughs> Today on Stories and Strategies, psychological tools to help us both receive and give feedback. My name is Doug Dales. My guest this week is Dr. Steve Jordans, Professor of Psychology at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Hello again, Dr. Jordans. Great to be with you, Doug. How's Toronto today? Always good in Toronto. It's uh, Toronto's cold, <laughs> cold and quiet. <laughs> yeah, and it's a damp cold, as they say, a damp cold. Yes. Dr. Jordans, you are a psychologist, a 3M National Teaching Fellow from 2015, and a director of the Advanced Learning Technologies Lab at the U of T, University of Toronto. Let, let's start. I call it the basics, but it, it really, it's pretty deep science. What's happening in my brain when I am receiving feedback from someone, and conversely, or maybe the same, what's happening when I'm giving the feedback? Yeah, uh, I mean, welcome to my world. I, I let me just say, I, I really embrace this idea of using feedback as a powerful learning tool. Um, but it's also important for teachers to realize uh, that learning from feedback, while it sounds so beautiful, you know, hey, somebody has taken the time to look at your work and to point out areas of potential growth. And, you know, it almost sounds like we should be thankful to these people and say, oh, great, I'll do that. That is not the natural human reaction. When somebody points out a flaw in what we're doing, we have a very sensitive um, system for detecting threat. And it starts with something called our amygdala, and that can be social threat, right? And social threat's very powerful to us. So somebody of authority or power, or even somebody we care about saying, you know, why did you choose that outfit to go out with tonight? <laughs> something like that can make us feel like we've been attacked and it can provoke that sort of fight or flee reflex. And so we have people like, uh, you know, uh, Professor Dweck talking about the growth mindset that we want all of our students to have. Um, but often pretty naturally, the, the, the re reactions to kind of shut down more than to sit, think and learn. And so I think there's a lot to be learned from feedback, but we have to really support uh, students as they're kind of going through that process. The ultimate goal is supporting them as they learn from feedback. But I think the first step to that is asking them to give feedback, literally to experience it from that side uh, and to have a real palpable sense of what it's like to be the person giving the feedback and what their goals are uh, as a first step. That threat that my amygdala detects, mm -hmm. does it differentiate the difference between, oh, this is someone just giving me their opinion of me or of my work, or this is an axe-wielding Viking that wants to chop my head off? Does the amygdala know the difference between the two? The, the amygdala doesn't, but the, the sort of more full story is the amygdala kind of kicks in our sympathetic nervous system, and that just gets us ready for something. And at the same time as that's going on, our brain is doing what we call attribution. So at, at its core, you know, winning a lot 
camaraderie is the same as a bear jumping in front of you at, at their core. In both cases, our systems become really active and, and we're, we're ready for, for something. But in one case, when our brain kind of figures it out, oh, it's a bear, this is a threat to our existence, then that promotes a sort of fear kind of reaction. Whereas in the other case, wow, all of my numbers actually matched. Um, now you have a euphoria kind of reaction, but the emotion is kind of overlaid on the activation. Uh, and, and it's the activation that kind of starts things all out. That's the sort of core of the emotion. So with feedback, you know, typically there is this notion to help somebody improve, you have to highlight an area of improvement. You have to highlight something that they're not doing well. And so the attribution there is, wow, I've just been called out. Um, you know, I've, I've just sort of been, some part of me has been stripped bare that is not a very attractive part of me. Uh, and I don't feel very comfortable about that. And I'd rather be somewhere else right now. You touched on that growth mindset. This is a really key point. Our brain has plasticity, yeah. which is a re relatively new understanding for science. It is always growing. Mm -hmm. New brain cells, uh, additional neurons, additional synaptic connections, as well as deleting all of the above yeah. at the same time. We are in constant change. Yeah, hundred percent. And we, and we did used to think, you know, that was something more common in childhood and it is, you know, we're, we're especially plastic in, in childhood as we're learning new languages and all these things, but it does continue all through our life. Uh, perhaps the most famous study was one of a bunch of London cab drivers where in order to become a cab driver in London, you have to get a license. And in order to get that, you have to write this really ridiculous, apparently test about every side street in London. Uh, and so these people who want to be cab drivers spend months, if not years, on little scooters and stuff going around all the back streets of London and trying to learn what all these alleys are and how they all relate. Uh, and an interesting study of that looked at their hippocampus, which is a part of the brain that we use for spatial reasoning, uh, among other things. Uh, and they actually found that for a group of these cabbies, their hippocampus increased in size and density uh, as a function of them going through. And these were, you know, 20 to 50 year old kind of people. So, so even at that age, we see the brain responding to environmental stimulation and, and to learning in a sense and restructuring itself. Absolutely. And to make room for that massive growth of my hippo, <laughs> two strategies are micro clearing and scaffolding. Walk me through what those are. You know, when you think of scaffolding, it's just as you're building a building, you have this support structure that's there to kind of help you, um, you know, reach those heights that you couldn't reach without the scaffolding structure. Uh, and so the idea is, as we're putting people through a learning episode, you know, we can go back to sort of Vygotsky, where, where he talked about the zone of proximal development. We want to kind of help a student get to that next level, almost like a building. You know, you don't try to build the top level until you've got the sort of foundation, and then you just go that next level, next level, next level. And that's where the scaffolding comes in. And so, you know, for things like learning from feedback, part of the scaffolding is, yes, putting them on the giver side first, you know, make them really experience how challenging it is to give somebody feedback in a way, you know, even though you're trying to be helpful in a way that doesn't rouse a lot of this sort of defense reaction. And so trying to get the tone right, trying to get the form of the feedback right. And, you know, I, I believe we need to spend a lot of time teaching that first because then students kind of appreciate what feedback should look like and what components it should have. And then we put them on the receiving side. And the most important single part of scaffolding that I'm a big fan of is 
don't just let them run away. I, I think we do it so wrong so often. A, a student gives us an a, a assignment, we grade it, we spend all this time putting comments on it, we give it back to them, they don't look at it. About 50% of them don't look at it and we let them not look at it. Uh, and you know what I recommend instead is a process where when they get feedback, we now go into a process of let's analyze your feedback now. Let's take that apart and let's let's notice some things. Let's first of all say, what emotions did you feel? You know, let's let I, I sometimes say it's like the bouncer at a club. You have to acknowledge the emotion, you have to see it there, and then you push it out of the way and go past it. And you know, that's the kind of process I suggest is students saying, you know, that actually made me feel a little stupid and embarrassed. Cool. Great to say that. Now put that aside and let's get to what was actually said. Was there anything there that can help you get better? What's what's the utility of it? So walking them through that process, making them engage. And for me, the key is always repetition. Um, if we want to turn this into a skill, then we want students to do this in a repeated structured way. And so what I really love is having students give feedback to a bunch of peers and then receive feedback from a bunch of peers. I, I love peer feedback, by the way, because it encourages critical thought. Uh, if an instructor says, you know, you're, you need to do this and that, your brain just kind of shuts down and says, okay, they think I need to do this and that. But if a peer says you need to do it, you're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I like that. And so I like in, you know, giving students feedback from a lot of peers who may be right, who may not be right, saying that very clearly, and then encouraging students to go through this process of analyzing that feedback, thinking about it, deciding for themselves what's good or not, and then seeing that from peer after peer after peer, repeating that process, and then the final step of scaffolding in that context that I think is so important is letting them then use that to improve their work. And that's the real kind of capstone of the experience because that's when they end up feeling, you know, even though this is a sort of a painful process emotionally to go through, uh, they end up looking at their work and going, that's better. So at what age do I learn this best at the K to 12, the university level? And I'm a pretty old dog. Um, is it too old for me? I, I don't think it's too late for anybody, but I also think optimally that we would have this happening early. Uh, but, but just to give you a too late example, you know, let's imagine, let's just take it out of the public education system and imagine you had some hobby. Maybe you're a songwriter, let's say, and maybe you had the option of submitting some song, some draft song that you created um, somewhere where you had a bunch of other songwriters who were willing to look at your song and give you feedback on how it could be better. And you agree to do the same for, for theirs. And so you enter into this mutual feedback, giving and receiving process. I think for any of us, you know, if we're interested and that's something we, a craft that we want to get better at, getting feedback from other people involved in that craft is useful. And, and, and I think it will help anybody at any age. However, when we go below the level of giving feedback and learning from feedback, I, I like the level below that too, which is the skills that are involved, the really core skills that are involved in doing that. And these are like critical thought, creative thought, uh, both receptive communication, being able to shut up and listen to somebody else, and expressive communication, being able to express yourself. So as they go through this process, they're exercising those core skills. And those are the skills that are going to make them successful in life. Those are the skills where someone can say, I want to do podcasts. So how can I do this in a creative way? And how can I bring something different to my podcast that will attract? And, and so you use those core skills to do that. Uh, and those ones, 
I'm working at training first year university students with that. We have a technology that we use to do that. There are a number of technologies now out there. There's one from our lab called Peer Scholar. Uh, I invite people to come check it out. Uh, but where I really would like to be is 10 year old, 11 year old kids. Uh, you know, I think that's where the practice could most pay off. It sometimes feels to me like I'm training athletes, but I'm starting at 19. Uh, we should be starting at 10 or 11 or 12 where, where, you know, skill training can really take root. I, I want to focus on specifically giving the feedback for a moment. I, I, I've been, I've been the person giving the feedback, uh, either the boss or a peer giving feedback. I, I don't hate it. Um, it's also, it's not, it's not my favorite thing, even if it's a peer, because it really makes me think. Uh, here's a quick clip from the 1999 movie Office Space, distributed by 20th Century Fox. In this scene, Joanna, played by Jennifer Aniston, is a food server at a restaurant that wants its servers to wear lots of buttons, lots of flair, and that drives Joanna nuts. We need to talk. Do you know what this is about? My, uh, flair? Yeah. Or, uh, your lack of flair, because, uh, I'm counting and I only see 15 pieces. Let me ask you a question, Joanna. Mm. What do you think of a person who only does the bare minimum? Huh, what do I think? Um, you know what, Stan? If you want me to wear 37 pieces of flair like your uh, pretty boy over there, Brian, why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair? Well, I thought I remembered you saying that you wanted to express yourself. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I do. I do want to express myself. Okay, then I don't need 37 pieces of flair to do it. All right, there's my flair, okay? And this is me expressing myself, okay? There it is. I hate this job. I hate this goddamn job. So what job. we have there, by the way, is a classic example of the fight reflex. <laughs> and and this, is, this is the sort of two, this is what you have to be aware of when you're giving feedback, that if you don't do it right, and you heard, you know, that person was very pointed and was very personal. Um, so it, it was about her and her not putting forward total effort. So, so it was really a personally aimed attack, which is not the way you want to give feedback. Feedback should always be about the work or, or about something else and helping that person grow. When you're, when you're sort of kicking that system into gear, forget about learning. Uh, because when that sympathetic nervous system response kicks in, uh, the frontal lobes start getting less blood. It's all the limbic system. We're going back to our primitive emotional selves in that, in that response. Uh, and she's not going to learn. Uh, it's, it's not the kind of condition that condones learning. And so, you know, that person could be taught a lot about how to give feedback in the first place. Uh, and there are all these, you know, various components to it. Like, for example, a lot of people like what they call a sandwich approach, which is uh, you start with something nice and you start, you know, by clearly expressing your goal and giving the feedback, which is to help this person grow and, and you know, provide opportunities for them, etc. Then you give them the critical stuff in the middle. Uh, and then at the end of the critical stuff, you say something nice and positive again. And, and the hope is that by couching it in those positives, they will see you as a human being trying to help. And, and really that is when I teach my students about giving feedback, we use this word pro-social and, and we all know the word anti-social. An anti-social person is somebody that kind of rips the fabric of society apart through their actions. A pro-social person brings community together. From, from what you've seen, um, do the HR 
textbooks have it correct right now. You, you mentioned the sandwich approach, unfortunately. So I right away filed that as the crap sandwich. Yeah. And that's the nice version of that. Um, do, do the HR textbooks have it right? Or is it more a case of we need to be constantly rewriting these? I mean, I think a lot of them sort of have it right, but where we where we lose it, in my opinion, is we think knowledge is sufficient and, and we short shift practice. And, and this is so, for example, a lot of corporations will have somebody come in and give a talk on how to give effective feedback or maybe even how to consume feedback and grow from it. And everybody listens and nods and says, that's very nice and whatever. And the speaker leaves and the people go back to their habitual ways of responding and, and no impact was was made. Um, I'm a big fan of combining sort of micro learning, teach students about some of these things and then ask them to use it and ask them to do it. And the more practice and the more you can make that practice formal and structured, that's where I, I say it this way. It's not quite accurate, but it leaves the mind and goes to the body. And, and what I mean by that is it becomes less knowledge and more habit, just, just the way you do things. But that transition takes practice. That's the only thing that moves it that way. And so that's what I think we talk too much about it, but we don't really do that scaffolding we talked about and put people through that practice that's really going to make it a skill for them. There's one other technique I wanted to check in with you on because I do this in work and I do this at home. I, I really don't like uh, micro correcting. I'd rather see someone uh, go left or right or in or out of, of an issue and find their way. Uh, but at times you sort of have to, and I don't like it. So I've taken up the habit of, I won't say anything. And then suddenly I will, if I see something positive, in other words, I'm trying to put inordinate emphasis on the positive to reinforce it and eh, kind of not addressing the so-called negative. Well, you know, I, I had to learn something. I'll, I'll tell you this little story. So I'm always big on constructive feedback. And so it's really the negative side and how to walk people through that. Uh, and once I was going to be giving some videos on this and I was with some people from business and I challenged them all, I said, I, I would love some little um, examples from you guys. Can you please between before I meet you again, can you think of some instance where somebody's given you constructive feedback and you've gone on to you know learn and grow from that and had some real positive rewards? You're you listening to that feedback. I came back a few days and I said, okay, what do you guys got? And they had nothing, <laughs> nothing. But but they all said, however, there are these instances where somebody said something positive about my work and highlighted me in a way I never thought about myself. Uh, and, and sort of, you know, made me see myself in a different way. And that changed my life forever. Uh, and so that made me kind of realize, you know, everything I'm talking about, about how difficult it is to consume negative feedback predicts exactly what we say, that people aren't learning a lot from it because they're fleeing or fighting. Uh, but positive feedback draws you, right? Someone's saying something positive, you want you want to hear more. <laughs> Tell me more about why I'm great. And so that engages the mind. It doesn't kick up these defense mechanisms. And so I do think sometimes that's lost. We really focus on the feedback that helps you grow. But if you can say that some of those things in a positive way, or if you can just hit on things that the person is already doing well and making sure that's a big part of the interaction you're having, then that might have more effect. You know, you are reinforcing those positive behaviors. There's a really clever thing you can do too. And this is more, more psychology than general feedback, but we can think about it this way. Sometimes you can eliminate something negative 
by reinforcing a positive thing that can't coexist with the negative. And, and my, my really quick story of that is, you know, imagine you have a young child at home and you have social gatherings pre-COVID, I guess. You have social gatherings in your home and imagine he's just a, a little guy and, and one time he comes running out naked. And he comes running out naked and all your friends laugh and giggle and think he's the cutest thing ever. Uh, and so next thing you know, you've created a monster. He keeps running out naked every time because he's getting a lot of reinforcement for it. What do you do? You know, you can focus on that and punish that behavior. But another better way is to say, you know, I'm having friends over. If you come over fully, if you come out fully dressed today, then I'm going to give you some reward. There's going to be something good in it. And the child can now you can train them, you can reinforce that coming out dressed and you just kind of forget about the naked thing. Um, but you know that they can't be both naked and dressed at the same time. So if you reinforce the right thing, you can get rid of the, the, the wrong thing. But sometimes positive reinforcement can have more mojo. Awesome. Loved this. Um, and let's do it again uh, when we can. Appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you very much, Doug. Have a great day. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Dr. Steve Jordans, you can email him at steve.jordans, it's got a Dutch spelling to it, at utoronto.ca, and we've put the email in the show notes for you. Ah, if you liked what you heard on this episode, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We find that good positive reinforcement for us. We'd also love it if you followed us on Twitter. It's at comms underscore podcast. And we're hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on any directory you're listening on. Do us a favor. Mention this podcast to just one friend. If you have an idea for an episode, you, you want to just tell us something, positive or negative reinforcement, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.